Thank you, Eric, for your prayers. Good morning to you all. Uh, thank you to Ian for his welcome at the beginning. It was uh, kind of you to welcome me, and it's great to be back. Some of you are looking at me and think, well, I've never seen him before. Um, Jonathan Edwards, I've been here in various guises through the years. Uh, Paul is a great friend of mine, and we share many things in common, including uh, an original home church and school and all sorts of things, uh, and it's great to be here today. Um, I, I'm basically, all you need to know is I'm a Baptist minister, um, and Baptist minister doesn't actually say a lot about what the person does. I basically serve Jesus as uh, a Baptist minister, but I've done it in lots of different ways, and I've been with you when I represented the nation as general secretary, representing the 2,150 churches that are part of our family, Um, and I was graciously set free from that five years ago, and uh, since then, I've had such fun um, doing all sorts of other things. I've been allowed to get back into helping with the local, local churches, which has just been brilliant. Um, but actually, the first people who came after me, after I left the Baptist Union, uh, was a group called Prospects, uh, a group that worked with people with learning disability. And I went sort of politely to have a conversation with them, and they said, we'd love you to work with us. We've got two different jobs you can choose between which you'd like to do. And I went home... Uh, to my wife, and I said, lovely people, probably not. And she said, darling, I think that's what you'll be doing. And actually, of course, she's right. That is the point of the story. Uh, Ever since then, I've been involved with disability in different ways and found that just such a colossal privilege. So to speak to you this morning about disability is just brilliant. But I do lots of other things, and one of the other things... I do is, and I'm an ambassador for, if I can get the paperwork, um, for Premier, Premier Radio, Premier Media. Um, and I'm just saying, when you go out afterwards, um, if you would like to take a copy, a free copy, of Christianity magazine, which is, I think, the most important, most brilliant Christian magazine there is, dispute with me afterwards if you want, um, or the Youth and Children's Work magazine, if you don't know these, Hugely expensive normally, five pounds and stuff. Um, well, both five pounds, but um, free if you would find that helpful. So please do avail yourself. So before this stuff about disability, I'd like to do a job on hope. This is a mini sermon, only takes a couple of minutes. You'll, you'll survive. Um, but I, we just need to be absolutely clear what we're talking about because I'm always nervous when we use the word hope because it's a word we use all the time. And we use it in a totally different way from the New Testament, okay? So this is the mini-sermon. As I said, it doesn't take long. Um, The first thing is just to get the definition right, because normally when we use the word hope, there's a maybe in our voice, isn't there? I hope it will be sunny tomorrow. I hope I'll pass my test on Wednesday, you may say. I hope the mother-in-law will come next weekend. I hope the mother-in-law will not come next weekend. Do you know, whatever the statement may be, there's a, there's a maybe about it. You know, I hope, uh, hey, it may not be sunny tomorrow after all. You know, and all of that. Can we just be absolutely clear, because we won't get anywhere unless we've got this right. 
when we meet hope in the New Testament, there is no maybe about it. So we've really got to clean up our understanding of hope. Hope is based on Easter, that Jesus died and rose again, as we've just been beautifully singing. So when we talk about hope, we're saying, well, I hope it'll work out all right in the end and we'll be all right for eternity. We're not saying that. We're saying we are confident of our God. We've met him in the Lord Jesus Christ and we are certain of our future in him, okay? That was the first point of the mini-sermon. Second point of the mini-sermon is hope is for everyone. Hope is for everyone. Whatever your background, if you're religious or not, whether you're young or old, whether you're able or disabled, it doesn't matter. Jesus came for you. Jesus welcomes you. Okay? Second point of the mini-sermon. Third point is that hope is not just for a moment. And I say that because often hope is it's sort of a feeling you get for a while. Oh, I feel really hopeful today and then tomorrow. Oh, it's Monday. Never feel hopeful on the Monday. You know, the hope that we have in Christ is for eternity. This, this solid hope is for the whole of our lives. Romans 15, verse 13, Paul, uh, Paul prays for his friends, and he prays. It's really significant, isn't it? He's praying for these people who are living at the center of the Roman Empire. That was a tough place to be a Christian. And he doesn't say, I hope you'll have enough hope to keep you going, because it might be quite tough. Tuesday might be really rough. He doesn't say that. He says he prays that they will have so much hope they will overflow with hope. Hope is there all the time. Okay, end of mini-sermon. But I just wanted you to know that's the kind of hope I'm talking about. A hope that is definite. Not a maybe about it, okay? A hope that is for everyone. A hope that is not just for a moment. This hope message is so exciting and I'm glad you're spending a long time thinking about hope because we live in a society where the message of hope is countercultural. Our society does not think hopefully. You think of any of the agendas that are before us at the moment, whether you're thinking of the NHS or thinking of Brexit, as probably you all are, or whether you're thinking about President tweeting Trump. I hope that wasn't offensive. Or you're thinking about Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria. Whatever you're talking about, people would say there is no hope. People feel glum about what's happening in our world. And I want to proclaim with you today that in our world where there are many very serious issues, there is hope. Our society would say if you're full of hope, you obviously don't know what's going on. I would say, yes, we do know what's going on, and we've met Jesus, and we have hope. Okay, from all of that, let's think about disability, but I wanted it in that context, okay? There is hope for people with a disability, because there's hope for everyone. There's hope, and that message, if you have a disability, and some of you probably do, because a huge proportion of the population do have some form of disability or life-limiting illness, if you have a disability, then I want you to know, please, there is hope for you. But I want you to hear also that if you don't have a disability, you need to know there is hope for those who have got a disability because it needs to change the way in which you live your life. 
Uh, thank you, Peter, so much for your children's talk. Brilliant. We'll remember that long after this sermon has been forgotten. Brilliant. We need body. We need the different parts of the body. And what I'd love you to do now is just to listen to our reading. It was commissioned by us in Prospects, uh, a reading read by people with learning disabilities. Um, not being able to communicate freely uh, is just an incredible disability, and I found it such a privilege to work for more than three years with people with learning disabilities, many of whom had no ability to talk at all, and many struggled to talk. Watch this. This is our reading, and I want, then want to share with you from it. Thank you very much. The Bible reading from 1 Corinthians 12 was recorded by adults with learning difficulties. You can watch this inspiring video yourself by visiting youtube.com and searching for Prospects, 1 Corinthians 12. We were all baptized by one spirit. To form one body. We were given the one spirit. The body is not made in one part. But of many. Because I'm not a man. I do not belong to the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye. I do not belong to the body. It would not stop being part of the body. God has placed the parts in the body. Anything. Just as he wanted to be. Those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts we think are less vulnerable. We see we special honour. We treat with special honour. We treat with special honour. God put the body together. His part should have equal concern. For each other. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a, a part of it. Differently told. But we are all part of the body, disabled and not. Uh, the idea of the body was not new to St. Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Plato, interestingly, had used the image to speak about the city as being like a body. But it, it works so much better, in fact, in the Christian context. Because he's saying we totally, in Christ, depend upon one another. Everyone matters Everyone matters, whether they can speak or not, disabled or not, gifted apparently, or not so gifted, tall, short, young, or whatever. Everyone is essential. So here's my task in the next few moments, to walk with you if we believe that that's the word of God, if we believe there is hope, what are we going to do about it? That's really where I want to go with you. I want to talk about welcoming people with a disability. The church, by definition, 
is a welcoming community. Romans chapter 15 and verse 5, which for long has been my favorite verse of the Bible. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you in order to bring praise to God. Isn't that wonderful? Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you in order to bring praise to God. I don't have any doubt that it is the fullest intention of this church, which is a good church, church that God has blessed. I have no doubt that your agenda is to welcome people. That's what you desire to do. But I want you to hear this. Welcoming people with disability is not just a lovely thing to do. It is the test of whether we are truly Christians. Fascinating. You read through the Bible from the earliest parts, and certainly by the time you get into the Old Testament law, and keep going through the law, and then keep going through the prophets, you will find time and time again until you get into the New Testament, and particularly when you get to James, but throughout the whole Bible, there is this consistent word that the test of true religion, (laughs) the test of whether you've got it, the test of whether you've really heard the loving heart of God is whether you care for the vulnerable. That's the test. If you don't do it, presumably you've missed out on the real thing. And the, the test case is consistently whether you care, interestingly, for foreigners, strangers, whether you care for w- widows and orphans, the vulnerable. And the disabled are certainly part of that, the vulnerable. And Jesus' ministry, uh, time and time and time again, reached out to people with disability. I, I, I really, I'm not questioning for a moment, it would be rude to do so, but I'm not questioning your desire to be welcoming. What I need to tell you is that many disabled f- people find that churches are not welcoming. I found this simply incredible when I started working with prospects, working with people with learning disability. I couldn't believe it, but regularly we would get phone calls from people who would say, we've been to church with our autistic child, who does shout out every now and again because that's what they do. (laughs) Or we've been with our child who does wander around because he's got an attention span of about 23 seconds on a very good day, and he, he wants to wander around. And we've been told, please don't come back. And you think, seriously, I can't believe that. But we get into an orderly way of worshipping, and we don't want it disturbed. We certainly don't want anybody to cry out in an, a disorderly way in the middle of the service, because that would disturb our peace. Would you just hear me? You are wrong in assuming that every disabled person feels welcome in church because it doesn't happen. I'm not saying, and as I trigger the word disability, I realize that's doing different things in your head. Some of you are thinking rightly of people with mobility problems. Others are thinking about people with learning disabilities. Others of you are thinking of people with sight loss. Uh, There are so many disabilities. I'm not for a moment saying that it's easy to welcome people with disability. I'm just saying it's God's will. It's God's will. 
It's what he wants us to do. Why? Because of what we've just learned, that we're part of the body. We belong to one another, and the body doesn't work unless we are cherishing every part of the body. It just doesn't work. Every part is important. Uh, I've loved going to worship times with people with learning disability. What is fantastic is there's been a mushrooming of these groups all over the country. There are hundreds of groups specifically for people with learning disability, and they're brilliant. If you've never been to such a service, you should treat yourself, because the characteristics of services with learning disability, just think about it for a moment. You can't do a lot of words because many people won't understand, so what are you going to do? You can do, you can do singing, you want to do singing with loads of actions, need to be loads of actions. Um, you want to have something from the Bible, you're going to need to act it out because you want people to participate in it. You want people to pray, and that's the most moving thing out when you hear people who've only got about six or seven words, but they want to pray and they want to say something to God. It's just the most incredible experience. And there the, the may be a sermon, but here's a really good part, I could sell it to you on this, is incredibly short, and there's always food. What's not to like? It's normally over in about half an hour. It's incredible. But I just love those opportunities for worship. And I think of, of one person ministering in one of those groups. Her name is Tamsin. Tamsin has no words, never done words, doesn't do them. She does hugs, and it's beautiful. She will sit there, um, in a way that I haven't seen anybody doing this morning. But she will be sitting there gazing at the door to see anybody who might come in because they are going to have unleashed upon them a hug. And you can see her going, like, I think they're just around the corner. Any moment now, my next moment may, may come, and, and they get the biggest hug. And I, I, I have to tell you, in the context of that service, she offers something incredibly important to the worship because everybody feels they know they're welcome because they've, they've been tamsined, they've been hugged, and, and that group really treasure the gift of tamsin because that's what she brings. Somebody else in that group who doesn't stop singing, by which I mean she doesn't stop singing. Uh, very interesting. She doesn't have words, but she has tunes. La, 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 la but really quite tuneful and nice. La, 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 la. She does it the whole time. La, 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 la. And to see the one which that group had just embraced, what Rosie brings, that's what she brings. That's what she can do. It's just a beautiful thing. It's, it's tough. It's demanding. It's wonderful. It's body. I was preaching at an anniversary service um, on the Isle of Wight a few years ago. Um, I was just going, it's just a, a general preach, as it were, uh, anniversary. And um, on the door, welcoming me, was somebody with a learning disability, supported by somebody else. When the offering was taken up, it was by somebody in a wheelchair, again supported by somebody else. That church didn't need to tell me. I wasn't there to talk about disability. That church didn't need to tell me, oh, we really care about people with disability. They didn't need to say it. They were living it. That's how they were doing it. Friends, I, ju I just, I guess what, what I believe this word is this morning is what I would call a prophetic word. 
That is to say, I believe it's God's word, and you need to work out what God specifically is saying to you as a result. But it's gospel, it's what we need to hear. Are you truly a welcoming church? Are you truly there to welcome people, whatever their condition, whatever their disability or not? It's a continual, wonderful challenge, but it is a challenge. Some disabilities are from birth, many are not. Uh, I'm doing some work at the moment. I, I am doing some work with a number of different charities as a kind of advisor, and uh, I'm doing work with Torch Trust, uh, which works with blind and partially sighted people. And we're working at the moment on a project called Journeying With. 250 people a day. These are figures from the RNIB, Royal National Institute for the Blind, partially sighted people. Uh, they say 250 people a day learn that they're losing their sight. And Torch Trust is saying, you know, what an opportunity to welcome people. What an opportunity in our community. We're not talking about somewhere else. We're talking about here in Shirley. People are learning every day. Some people are learning that they are losing their sight. And this Talk Trust is saying, well, what can we do to get alongside these folks? Because people who learn that they're losing their sight, generally by macular degeneration, many by macular degeneration, uh, are feeling very isolated. Their lives have suddenly been turned upside down. And we want to say we can offer friendship. We can come alongside. We can show Jesus welcoming people with disability. Whatever it says to you, uh, I, I'd love to think there might be a conversation at some point in the next little while within your church meeting, within your leaders' meetings, to say, how well are we doing? What more could we do to be a welcoming church to people with disability? Uh, we take it seriously already. Brilliant. But what more could we do? Secondly, I want to talk about roof breaking. Uh, I want to talk about real action. Because I'm always fearful with a word like welcoming, you're just thinking about a bigger smile. Bigger smiles are great. I, I'm into that. But, but actually, action often needs to happen. One in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, we read the story, you know, Jesus healing the paralyzed man. Jesus was in a crowded house. You all know the story. You probably acted it out yourself. It's brilliant. Jesus in a crowded house. The friends bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Can't get closer. What do they do? They break through the roof. Wonderful. Not. Okay. But, but, but it's fantastic, isn't it? They, they loved their friends so much. I can see some very responsible people think, oh, not here. You know, make a lot of mess. And the cost thing, you know. But... Roof breaking sometimes needs to happen to get our friends to Jesus. That's to say more than just a jolly smile. We need to take action. We need to do things to make things different. Through the Roof is the charity that works uh, with people with all kinds of disability. Brilliant charity. And Through the Roof was founded just over 20 years ago at the time, as many will recall, of the first Disability Discrimination Act. And uh, Through the Roof was saying, come on, as Christians, what are we going to do? And it was about slopes. And he got a lovely slope. Well done. And it, it's about handrails. He got some lovely handrails. And it's about 
disabled loos, and they are wonderful. You know, so tick, 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 well done. Um, but it's, it is that, and we've come on a whole amazing distance in the last 20 years. You know, the Lord's name be praised. That's really great. But the point is this. In order to enable people to find the hope that is in Jesus, sometimes we need to break roofs. Sometimes we need to take real, messy, costly action. Let me just illustrate some of the disabilities that are around. One in six people, one in six people have hearing loss. Um, I'm sure there will be many people here this morning. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. You might not have heard me, um, but <laughs> forgive me. But, you know, having a good PA system, having a good loop system, it is, is not a luxury. You know, it is absolutely essential, I know, to many of you. And, and hearing loss is, is really harsh, isn't it? It's really harsh because you're in a room, things are happening, people are laughing at jokes, things are happening, and, uh, and you don't know what's going on. And you, you do, it's, I do feel for you. Age is a big factor, as you, I'm sure, realise. 40% of people over 50 have a degree of hearing loss. That rises to 71% in people over 70. One in 30 people have a degree of sight loss. About 2 million people. What's interesting about sight loss, which makes me particularly passionate about the work of Torch Trust, is that the number of people with sight loss is likely to double in the next 30 years because of an aging population and all of that. Um, there is a huge mission field there. Overall, there are 11.9 million disabled people in this country, about one in five people. Interesting who have a disability or long-term illness, um, impacting every part of their lives, imp impacting employment and all the rest. Um, what Through the Roof is particularly keen to do, which I love, is to say we need in churches, and it won't be all of you, but we need roof breakers. We need people who will be passionate about this and will say we can do something to make it better for people with a disability. This is a brilliant booklet, which I just love, because it has a simple introduction to disabilities, a whole range of disabilities, learning disabilities, hearing, partially sighted, epilepsy, um, Alzheimer's, speech difficulty, Tourette's, dyslexia, whatever. Loads, just, just helpful things, not to make you an expert, but to give you some pointers that would help you. Do you remember these things were free? You remember that? Because we remember about free things. Don't this costs five pounds. If do, they're on the table, which you'll find as you head out that way. If you can give five pounds for that, that will be a blessing to throw the roof. But um, it, uh, fantastic. If there's anything in your head which says, yeah, I could do something about that, then I do encourage you to take a step. So we need to welcome, if, we, if we're serious about this hope business, don't just think it's a jolly good idea, you know, actually want to do something, we need to think about what our strategy is to welcome people with disability. We need to think about what roof breaking needs to be done. And thirdly, we need a particular attitude. This attitude is crucial to doing work in the kingdom of God. 
You won't get anywhere without it. Jesus said it's number, it's number one. In fact, you can't enter the kingdom of God without it. It's called humility. Humility, which is, is that openness, the readiness to listen to others, the readiness to receive, the readiness to believe that we don't have all the answers, <laughs> the readiness to believe we are body and that without the weakest members, we won't work as a body. I, I love the teaching of 1 Corinthians 12. It's very sophisticated, actually. I don't think we think of Paul as a very sensitive sort of pastoral guy. I don't know what your perception is. But actually, his, much of the teaching here is very sophisticated. He talks about the person who looks at another part of the body and says, well, I don't need you. Do you know? Um, let me just read it to you. If the foot should say... Oh, no, sorry, the other part. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, well, I don't need you. We can't look at different parts of the body and say, don't need you. We can do without you. You're only a new Christian. We can do without you. We can manage, manage for years without you. But he said, you can't. If somebody's been a, a Christian for five minutes, they are crucial to the body. They've been a part of the church all their lives. They're crucial to the body. Don't look down at other people. Don't ever look down at another gifts. They're disabled. What can they teach me? They can teach you everything. We need one another. We need the body. Never, ever look down on somebody else because of their circumstances. But also, this is probably a bigger problem, do you know? where Paul talks about people with inferiority complexes. This is the sophistication of it, I think. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. There are lots of people in church who have this attitude which says, well, because I'm not a part of the worship band, I don't really count, because I'm not a preacher, I've never been a deacon, I've never, never, never done youth work, and I, don't, I, I don't matter. Can I just tell you you're wrong? Can I please tell you that you have gifts, through your gift of listening, through your smile, through your kindness, through your friendship, whatever it may be, you have gifts on which the church depends. Do not look down on yourself. The problem with that attitude is that it sounds really humble. But do you know what it is? It's false humility. Because it denies the gifts of God. You have gifts. You're essential to the body, whoever you are. Friends, if we are going to welcome people with disabilities, we need to be humble. We need to be ready to receive Whatever anybody else gives to us, ready to do whatever it takes to introduce them to Jesus. Part of what I do at the moment, which is so brilliant, is uh, I'm involved in some local churches, going through times of transition, sometimes through trauma, sometimes through more natural processes, but they're going through transition. And one particular church... I've just worked with them to find a new minister, and that's brilliant, and he's shortly to arrive. I have my farewell service next month. And at my farewell service, 
I'm going to have the most effective minister in the church part of that service. She is fantastic. I love her two bits, my wife knows. She is 92. Her name is Pearl, and she is just such an incredible minister. She has never been to a service while I've been there. Uh, she is totally paralyzed from the waist down after an uh, operation a few years ago. But she has such a ministry. Pearl, she is incredible. She can't get out of the house at all. But she has an effective ministry all over the world. Why? Because she got an iPad. Why? Because she Skypes people most of the day, as it seems to me, because she is constantly encouraging people, constantly texting them, uh, WhatsApp with her family. And, I mean, she is just, just incredible. She's totally engaged with what's going on. And she is going to read the reading at my final service. She must, because she's so important. We'll do it on Skype, but hey, we have got the technology, duh. You know, what I'm saying is there are opportunities for the, us these days, which didn't used to exist. Ways in which we can embrace all the gifts that God has given to us. Is there hope for people who are disabled? You bet there is. There is hope because the message of Jesus hasn't changed. There is hope because if we are humble enough, if we are ready to receive the gifts of people with disability, there is incredible hope for the disabled people here in Shirley. So God bless you. May God give you the gift of humility so that you're willing to receive the gifts of others. May we break a few roofs, why not, in our determination to make people with disabilities know that there is hope, that Jesus loves them, that Jesus welcomes them to himself. May God bless you as you pursue this message and as you seek to hear what God is saying to you from it. Amen.